listen to me. The world's coming after you. His fate is written. Shall we write yours too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. There's new bullying host Leroy, aka this podcast with self destruct in 60 seconds with my co host. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, this is Eli, aka Three, Indian two, Jones. Once. There you go. Oh, <laughs> hey, am missed. I hot? You're, you're, you're good. You're good. No, I was just talking. I was just talking over you. My fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Yeah, and we're back with another episode. We're going to jump into it. Like I said, you see the thumbnail, so you know what we're going to do. This is going to be not a lengthy uh mission impossible dead wrecking but i'm gonna get into it and say some things that i that i noticed when i watched the movie That's oh it. you saw a movie i did see a movie but we're gonna get into it we got we got some we're gonna get into first first we gotta do some house cleaning we gotta do some house cleaning because i have to make an apology i want to say i want to apologize to mark zuckerberg because uh <laughs> last week i said i could kick his ass so after seeing this post and noticed that he was been training with mma fighters i, I didn't see this picture when the picture came out so I want to formally formally apologize on the behalf of the comic bullies, me and Eli, both of us, because I don't want Eli to get his ass with Peter about. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna apologize to we not both only... smart tech or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> we apologize for saying we could kick your ass, and I apologize for you raising my voice at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, last time we got into it with each other, you had banned us for three months off it's like get the fuck up out of here. So we apologize for that. We will take that and just move on from that because we know next time you come after us, we know you're kicking in the door. So, yeah, we're not getting a three-month ban or anything like that. So that's all I want to say. Just move on past that. So, yeah. Uh, what else we got to say? Okay. So, like I said, before we get into the movie reviews and all the other stuff we got to do, we do want to talk about the big news that's going on right now in entertainment. Uh, there is another strike going on. We have a not only a writer strike, but we have a, a actor strike also that just hit this week. That is the SAG AFRA. That is the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. That's what that means, SAG AFRA. So they have joined the strike of the writer strike going on right now. So since there's no writers and there's no actors, there's no production. Nobody's doing anything. No movies, no TV shows. Everything's either canceled, postponed, whatever. Until they can get this thing worked out. But according to the, like the, the big wigs making like you know a billion dollars a year, they don't want to work it out so we're gonna to have to see how that works out so yeah crazy stuff going on like i said we're not gonna to dig too much into it because honestly we really could do an entire podcast just of that but i see eli nodding off just be talking about it so we're not gonna do it we're just gonna move on yeah like like we 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 i'm the box off every time we do the box office segment i'm like Right, <laughs> like cool. Why such and such movie this? did such and such movie. Okay, <laughs> good for them. Yeah, <laughs> rich motherfuckers. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> hold on. We got a caller. Who we have here? 
Uh, any damn time we house. need more Jersey Shore. Oh, I'm glad Jersey you brought that up, Shore. Frankie. Yes, because not everything has been canceled. Not everything has been postponed. So that means with the with the decline and the cancellation of scripted uh, things, that means you had the rise of other things like Jersey Shore, like reality TV and podcasts. Because trust <laughs> us, we are not scripted. I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to say half the time on this podcast. So yeah, we're not scripted, so we can do whatever fuck we want to. We are not SAG Afro or any of that stuff. From time to time, we do take notes to remind us what to talk about, but that's about all like oh yeah he, he does let's let's does. talk about ahsoka's ass <laughs> right he does <laughs> i just uh, react i just react Sabine's to the script <laughs> <Sabine's ass. laughs> men of culture we have returned okay <laughs> all right so like i said we're gonna move on past that we're gonna actually get into the podcast no more dilly dally and no more tomfoolery we're gonna get into it so we're gonna bring back the old class of that thing that you don't care about eli Give it to me. <laughs> what is the number one movie of the week? Some rich motherfuckers movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Disney, Universal, Paramount, doesn't matter. One of these motherfuckers anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, the number one movie this week was Mission Possible. Dead? Dead Reckoning. They didn't put everything in there, but they should have put everything in here. Oh, that's but here's the thing, called? Eli. Right. That's what it's all. Oh, that. Okay. See, I've seen Dead Reckoning like in my yeah. timeline. I that, thought that's it was like thing. a zombie yeah. movie or some shit. Like, I thought oh, it was a game. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to disappoint you. Left. Sorry. I know you. Like, what? They got to be uh, uh, Mr. Possible horror movie. Like, nah. Goes to show me how much how, 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 what a fan I am of the Mission Possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> I almost had you. I almost had you right there. But yeah. But here's the thing. I don't want to talk about the Mission Impossible movies on that list. What I want to talk about on that list is the number two movie on that list. Now I know I briefly took it away, and I knew you weren't paying attention. So it's I didn't the number. See what it was. I, I know you did. Indiana Jones. Is it? What is the number two movie on the list? Because that's the movie I want to talk about. Okay. I don't know. I said Indiana Jones. You won't know. You won't know. You won't. Nobody knows. Indiana Jones. No, it's not. I don't even know if Indiana Jones even on this list. (laughs) Uh, The number two movie on this list is The Sound of Freedom. Okay, I gotta blow this. I can't see. I need glasses. Okay. I gotta full screen now. Now I can see. Okay. Sound of Freedom. There you go. Okay. Because the funny thing about it is that. The Sound of Freedom, like you say, Indiana Jones, it's beating Indiana Jones at the box office. So I know what you're thinking. What the hell is The Sound of Freedom? Okay, The Sound of Freedom might be one of the most unusual box office hits this year. Matter of fact, it's almost, it's almost next week, it'll probably beat The Flash domestically, like this movie. So what is The Sound of Freedom about? I'm trying to see if I get my hands on it. Okay. Oh, it went away. Anyway, I just got to talk about it. Anyway, The Sound of Freedom... Oh, here you go. Is a Jim Caviezel oh. movie. Oh, that movie. that movie. Yeah. Okay. okay. Starring Jesus, not Jesus, but the guy that played Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so same it's about initials. <laughs> same initials. Yeah. JC, Jim Caviezel. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that played Jesus in, in that Mel Gibson movie. So this is his movie he's starring in based on a true story about like child trafficking, kidnapping, things like that, and about that. But that isn't really the reason why that movie is so popular right now. It's one of the reasons, but it's not really the reason it's so popular. Hold on a second. Uh, I'm surprised Spider-Verse is doing better than the new Transformers, knowing that Spider-Verse came out a month before, I believe. That's what happens when you make a good movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Frankie. <laughs> Notice that we have, it's two movies we have not reviewed on here at all. Uh, Indiana Jones, which we kind of did last week, and Transformers, which we had to talk about at all. 
There you go. Yeah, I haven't seen a Transformers movie in, I don't know, a decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so. But the yeah. point is, why I want to talk about The Sound of Freedom, why the movie is so popular right now, is because, not because it's a, it's a true story about child trafficking or Hollywood's version of a true story of child trafficking. The reason it's so popular right now is because it's actually being backed and may even being financed by QAnon. That's why it's even so popular. Oh, right now. whoa. I see. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that's why. And matter of fact, Jim Caviezel has came out as saying he's associated with, with QAnon. He very well may even be a January 6th supporter. We didn't know that. So the fact that QAnon is promoting this movie, that's why it's getting so much buzz. That crowd is going to see this movie. That crowd is supporting it. Also, that this also like being hyped up as a Christian movie. Also, so you got a whole bunch of churches going to this movie and paying people to go see this movie and fundraising to see this movie, but also QAnon. Also, so well, keep, keep keep them busy then. Keep, keep them making them like, movies and shit. My, my <laughs> Let them go to this. the movies so they don't do fucked up shit. Right, my, but my thing is this: <laughs> they always complain about how they hate politics in movies and they don't want politics and this and that stuff like that. But yet they're seeing a movie backed by QAnon. Like they want their politics. Every like they want their politics in the movie. Right. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. That's all I'm saying right there. So yeah. yeah. So so people ask about what the hell is the sound of freedom. That is like, the sound of freedom. Like didn't like when Gina Carano got booted from Mando. Yeah. Wasn't she supposed to be in a movie by what's his face? Uh, oh, that movie came out. What the fuck's that guy's name? You know. Ben Shapiro. Yeah, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie came out and everything. It's already, it already came out. It made, made like $85 or some shit. I don't know. What it did. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the movie. I just knew it was fucking horrible. Uh, but what else we got here? Uh, Christian MAGA folks. Are yes, that is the crowd going to see this sound. That's why the sound of freedom is beating the Flash right now. <laughs> so maybe the Flash. Like said, yeah. Keep them busy. Give, fuck it. Give them movies. Give him movies saying, to what, watch. What if the Flash was had a mega hat on with his red suit? Would he make more money? I guess I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Right, so no. anyway, past that, let's get into it. Uh, we're gonna talk about the uh, Mission Impossible movie that just came out. Oh, not that. Oh, I'm all wet. Oh, up. you read that? Uh <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I did read that. We're gonna review it later on. <laughs> if anybody see it, we go pretend like you didn't. It sounds see it. like it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it. We'll get into it. But yeah, we're gonna talk about Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning and what this movie is about. So, like I said, uh, the Mission Impossible movies, like if, I, I've seen them all multiple times. I own them all of them. The movies vary really? from yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen all of them. Yeah, the lore, all you of it. Lore, Mission Impossible. The, now the, the thing about Mission Impossible. The, the the mythology no the theology of Mission Impossible which oh, we're gonna wow. get to in a second yeah okay. <laughs> okay so like I said these movies are up and down like I said the first three movies are kind of hit and miss but four is like when it when it cracked the code of what these movies are supposed to be and then like the fifth sixth and seventh movie that all three of these movies have been directed by the same guy so they have the same feel they have the same continuity the same kind of characters pop up stuff carries over from the last movie so you kind of got to know happened in that movie to know what happened in this movie and this movie is part one of another movie coming out so it's, it's starting to build its lore where the first three movies kind of just throw away just like they didn't care john Woo just crank a movie i'd just be done with it you know but now they kind of found their groove you know and once they found their groove it, it's kind of you know i think i mean it's a it's a solid franchise what i think right now matter of fact i'm gonna even go as far as this the last movie fallout 
I think Mission Impossible Fallout is one of the best action movies of the last 10 years. I'm putting it on that list. So, and I will tell you this. I do like this movie. It's not Fallout. I'm sorry. It, can, it can't top Fallout because Fallout is like here. So, like, you beat Fallout. You got to, like, really come with it because you watch Fallout and you're just like, how the fuck did Tom Cruise survive this shit? Because you know it's him. You see him doing the shit. You know, the last one or the, the last one, yeah. Okay. When he actually like broke his the ankle. The last movie it. I saw was the one with Hawkeye, where he was like on the building or whatever. Four. He was, was Spider Man and up the. Okay. Yeah, that was awesome. And he really did that shit too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that was also awesome Hawkeye. They, I guess they were going to give it to him, but they didn't give it to him. So now we're back, and this is a continuation of that. Uh, the number five, number five, number six, number six movie. So. What I like about this movie, uh, like I said, it brings me the same energy, the Fallout energy that that Fallout has. So it's not Fallout, but damn, they they put all the work they could into it. Because I got to give uh, Tom Cruise some credit. Like the best thing about these movies is him running. Eli, why do I find Tom Cruise more entertaining to watch running than The Flash? I don't know. It just is like because I can watch Tom. They have like ten minute scenes of Tom Cruise just running, and it's just like, yes, I love it. You know. So, what else is this movie about? Like I said, it's honestly, this movie is the first Mission Impossible movie with a plot stuck with me. Because every other Mission Impossible movie, I just walked out of it like, okay, yeah, it's a terrorist. Okay, it's a virus. Okay, this guy did whatever. He wants to destroy the world. Okay, yeah, that's cool. But you want to see, you know, Tom Cruise jump off shit, you know, and almost kill himself. That's what you go to see these movies for. But this is the first Mission Impossible where I actually came away and the plot stuck with me. Was it like it had me thinking, like, hmm, hold on, let me see what we got here. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise is gonna <laughs> die making <laughs> movies. Love watch that. No, Tom Cruise little outlive us all. That's that's what it is. Oh, Jackie Chan. I mean, Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan I love, got fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> he got fucked up a bunch of times entertaining people. <laughs> right. You ever seen that clip of uh, him showing his daughter old clips of? of his oh yeah, movie? I saw that. Yeah, that was yeah. Cool. And then yeah. he started crying like in the middle of. Yeah. I'm like, well, she started <laughs> hugging him. Like, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And they like all his movies. They show the outtakes of all his stunt, the outtakes of his stunts. Yeah, okay. and and a, f- a few of those he did yeah. get fucked up. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I like about uh, uh, Chris Tucker. He said, like, when he like, yeah, it was like he first did the first rush out. He was like, yeah, I got a movie with Jackie Chan. I told him to pay me your front, you know, just in case some crazy <laughs> shit happens. Uh, but back to Mr. Possible. Back to Mr. Possible. Okay, so the reason this movie stuck with me is because of the bad guy in this movie. Now, what they should have taglined this movie as is Tom Cruise fights God. That is the plot of the movie. Yes. <laughs> Now, let me elaborate. Let me go into a little deeper on this. Now, the, the main bad guy of this movie is the entity. Okay, it's really an AI movie. It's really a rogue AI movie where AI goes rogue and just starts doing crazy shit, just start killing people Skynet. like that. So, Sky, it, it is Skynet, yeah. Like I said, if this movie came out 10 years ago, it would be a sci-fi movie. But because of it's such a hot topic right now with AI and everything like that, like AI is one of the reasons Hollywood is on strike right now. We're not going to get into that. So it becomes a hot topic button where it's not so much sci-fi anymore, but it's still kind of sci-fi. The thing is, like I said, it's rogue AI doing all this stuff like that. And they basically say that the AI, there's a uh, all of a sudden it, it activated itself. They don't know how it activated. It just became a liar. And they, they basically say it was like a ghost in the machine, which, you know, is a phrase to uh, deus ex machina. However, that is a mistranslation of deus ex machina, call it ghost in the machine. Deus ex machina means God in the machine. That's what it means. 
So they kind of threw that in there, but then once you get into it, Eagle Eye meets 007. Oh, yeah, I remember Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye was, yeah, that was that Shia LaBeouf movie. I kind of remember, barely remember, but yeah, no, anyway. I never saw uh, it, but yeah. Okay, but that's what I'm saying right there. So basically, they keep describing the entity as an all-knowing, all-seeing, knows the future bad guy that is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And it gets even deeper than that because his main bad guy is named Gabriel. So that's the main oh, bad guy. Okay. Yeah. So for those who know Gabriel, Gabriel is, the, I'm, I'm talking about it, biblically, is the archangel. He was the voice messenger of God. So basically, he basically would pronounce how good God is and everything like that. And that's all Gabriel does in this movie. He basically is just the entity's hype man. He just talks about how awesome the hype man is and all stuff like that. I that's, know I know that from the prophecy movies. <laughs> really? Is that another horror movie? Those, those, yeah, those horror movies that came okay. out in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thing like that. So like I said, so Tom Cruise is fighting God and his head angel. That's pretty much the whole movie right there. Not only that goes in a little bit deeper that the main MacGuffin of how he's going to kill the entity, he has a key he has to get in this movie, which is shaped like a crucifix in this movie. So that's how deep they're going with this movie. So he's fighting the entity with Gabriel and he has to get a crucifix key to find the main source to kill the entity. Because the main thing is, is that this, this rogue AI has gone crazy. It becomes self-aware, knows where everything is. And, and all the countries of America are trying, well, and all the countries of the world are trying to capture it. But Tom Cruise, because he knows better than us, wants to kill it. He wants to kill God. He don't want to control it. Like, like America does. <laughs> idea let's see uh ayo i had no idea bob from oh Obama from a- was the villain <laughs> and i was just about to say that do i have that do i have that picture right there yes so like i said for those who know gabriel yes he is the guy from la Bamba, the brother from la Bamba. what was it not richie but the other one what was the name yeah bob 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 from it bob. so here's the thing Eastside morales he's paco. a great actor he's a, paco he- from bad boys 80 in the 80s that's a not the cut. Will Sorry. Smith one, the, the Sean one Penn. The one. Sean Penn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether in Juvie Hall. <laughs> Here's the thing. That dude is a great actor, but I will never, ever forgive him for how he treated Richie in La Bamba. I'm sorry. That's all I can see. He was Deathstroke in that Teen Titans, HBO, DC shit. All I saw was Richie Valens getting his ass beat. That's all I saw. So, but awesome actor. He was awesome in this. I'm just saying that's all I saw. Like, this motherfucker. But that's what makes him such an awesome villain, because all I see him is just whooping Richie Valens' ass. You know. <laughs> so it is <laughs> that's the thing i like about it so uh but back to gabriel like i said he's the angel now the thing is what this movie is about like i said he's basically like the archangel and the thing is when we look at the bible our concept of angels isn't what we think it is like we think of angels like you know these guardian angels these beautiful creatures things like that or maybe even you know uh, uh she's in it she's in it i just clicked the wrong button what was i gonna click you know what it went away from it that's fine or maybe like a beautiful woman or like that but the thing is that's not what an angel really is. An angel is really God's assassin, God's hitman. That's what they've always been. That's what they really are in the Bible. Like I said, Sodom and Gomorrah, how did God take out that, that country or the civilization? He sent his angels in and took them out. That's what he did. So how many did he send? Two. That's it. Two. That's all you get to take out an entire civilization. Uh, even the four horsemen of apocalypse that uh, some, you know, theologists, you know, interpret that the four horsemen of apocalypse were four angels you know the god said to just do everything he needed to do so having him as you know 
the one of the greatest assassins in the world and he works for this non-seeing you know all in, you know all important omniscient being you know it brings it home so that's why i'm saying that's what and matter of fact tom cruise even pretty much says it in the movie he has one line in it where the dude like threatens him and the whole team stuff like that tom cruise looks at him like if you hurt anybody on my team there is no place on this planet that your god will save you from you know something like it was written you know he has some kind of biblical line stuff like that so like i said the subtext is there if you want it to be the subtext is there so that's all i want to say is so anybody going and has seen the movie and they go in and watch the movie make sure you pay attention to that movie because people are missing the point they hide it behind ai but they're going a lot deeper than that you know cinema it's really cinema there's something cinema. they're saying something with this movie like i said every other mission impossible just been virus nuke whatever like that but this is what they actually saying. because like i said we're talking about this but we also got it like i said this movie is about how evil ai is also and people can also promise you know can interpret that tom cruise is a scientologist so he might be this is his way to fight god or some shit i don't know so you, you if you want to be if you want to go there you can go there you know uh what else we got in this movie uh mantis mantis also she like the, the uh the bad guys don't want to say oh like like yeah mantis in the movie so just like gabriel is the number one assassin she's the number two assassin like i said so god has two angels you know going after now the thing about this movie is that she's awesome almost too awesome for this movie because if you watch all the mission impossible movies they don't have like really flamboyant colorful characters with a whole bunch of personalities they don't really do that they normally just have like bland looking assassins you kind of forget about where she was kind of awesome she almost looked like a bond villain or maybe like some out of a john wick movie she kind of like looks like uh in blade runner those uh marionette dolls that they had she wears like a schoolgirl outfit while she's assassinating people something like that so she was she stood out she stood out she was she was awesome in the movie i gotta give her credit for that so uh yeah oh and who else we got here uh yeah Haley atwell oh yeah Haley atwell stole this movie like you want to see this movie just for nothing else but Haley atwell you will get your money worth of it like i said every time she pops on screen i was like i get it cap (laughs) Damn. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, like I said, she did it. She brought us up like that. And the thing about it, the funny thing about what I do want to say is that because the stunts are so practical, like this, I'm gonna show you this. Like the the end, of the final battle was him and, and the dude from La Bamba, you know, having a knife fight on a train. But here's the thing: this wasn't green screen. They were really on a train going through this shit, and you can feel it. You can like the wind going in here, so like that. You can feel it. You know, stuff like that, where you go to other movies and they even have a car chase scene in the exact same spot. They had a car chase scene in Fast X. But here's the thing. The car chase scene here was way better. It's almost like they took Fast X like, no, let me show you how it's supposed to be done. There's a thing in, in Mission Impossible, like all the, I'm not going to say all of it, but most of it was real. Most of it was practical. You can see them doing this stuff, but you know, Fast X, all these movies like that. It's all green screen. It's all computer generated. It's all AI written, stuff like that, where you can feel it. So it's like it's a master class in how a movie is supposed to be done like this. So, like I said, I got to give them credit. It's probably one of the funniest Mission Impossible movies they had. It was like some funny lines going through there. Ving Rains and Simon Pegg, just, you know, his sidekicks, you know, doing the thing. Um, yeah, like I said, also the only thing that I can't like say it's just like the greatest movie of all time, like that, because there's a lot of spy jargon going on, like where the movie kind of slows down and like, does a lot of spike thriller and you kind of want to just go you know blow shit up you know you kind of want to just scream the movies through that but the movie isn't as action-packed as fallout was you know but i still liked it and it's a part one but i will give it credit 
that even though it's part one, it didn't make the same mistakes that Fast X made or even Spider-Verse made. When the movie ended, it felt like an actual conclusion to this movie. Mm-hmm. So even though you know it's part two is coming, this felt like a complete movie on its own, which I got to give it credit on that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Overall, I'm going to just wrap a score up and just put it on it. This movie was a four to five. Overall, out of all the Mission Impossible movies, I, I rank it third best. I'm going to say Fallout and the movie, the last one that you saw. I say those are those are the three best. And then I'll rank the other three, the other ones later. But I'm going to do it right now. All right. So that's all I got. That's all I got. We can move on past that. I thought it was going to be longer than that, but that's all I got for that. So, yeah. You in to go deep? No, I was. No, no, no. Oh, go speaking of Mantis, I, I, I finally saw Guardians 3. Yeah, I know. You, you said it last podcast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Well, that's the thing. So uh, no. Wait. You didn't talk about it the last podcast. We talked about it in our chat. You didn't talk about it last podcast. Yeah. We go did. for it. Yeah. yeah. Talk about. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to go deep it. for a second. You okay? <laughs> no, I I just loved it. No, I, I yeah. I, I think we we spoke about yeah. I went into details, but uh, yeah. No, I loved it. I thought it was great. You know, yeah, okay. and you're right. It was the best, probably the best Marvel movie since Endgame. Okay, I know. I know that sounded like a controversial <laughs> statement when I said it at first. No, but like, no, that, no, it was great. It felt like a closure to that era. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like what we love about the MCU, what everybody loved about the MCU. This felt like closure for that era of the MCU. Right. You know what I mean, and and it kind of. And, you know, dispels that myth about superhero fatigue. Like, people just not superheroes. Like, no. We want you to have superhero movies at this level. Don't yeah, have yeah. Ant-Man 3. Have it at this level. You have it at this level. People go see it. Yeah. So, you just can't yeah, just crank I, out anything to expect us to see it anymore. You yeah. could at one time. You can't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like, these characters, yeah, they are changing. Mm-hmm. And they're, and, you know, things are moving in new directions, you know. So, there is change coming. And I think this movie sort of signifies that. Yeah, this is the end of that chapter of the MCU and these characters. And right. now we are moving on in new directions. And I think that's the point of this movie. You know, I think that's what they tried to do with The Last Jedi, but kind of failed. And it just pissed every a lot of people off. But I felt this was more of like, oh, yeah, all, what, what everybody loves about the MCU is embodied in this movie. And... Yeah. This movie basically said, okay, it's time to wrap that story up. And it's time to move on to newer things with newer characters and newer stories. And I thought right. that was really cool. So, so um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I teared up a bunch of times. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, fucking, yeah, yes, the high evolutionary was a fucking prick. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, after watching uh, it, I liked him better than Kang. I thought he was a better villain than Kang. So, yeah. yeah. I still haven't seen Quantum Mania yet. Um, <laughs> But uh, but no, I, I thought he was a yeah. He was one of the like I think him, like other than Thanos, I mean Thanos, I, yeah. I guess Thanos was like that too. But the only other villain that I really hated and despised, mm-hmm. and this isn't really was was Black Mariah from Luke Cage season two. Like right. She, <laughs> I think she was. But but cool. even her, you can kind of see. Where she going yeah. from? I mean, just because because of her past, that's all. You kind of say, know, okay, but she was that doing would mess some up somebody shitty, else. Yeah. She did some shitty things that was like, okay, yeah, she's got to go. Right. You know? <laughs> you know? I, I agree and with you. Yeah. And, 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 and the high evolutionary, he was a 
fucking asshole. Like, yeah, he's yeah, this guy sucks, man. He's got to do something. This guy. And then but, I just love that. Yeah. I love that payoff. Like when you know you see Rocket kind of you know spoilers Rocket maul him, right? You know, but then when you find out at the end what he actually did to him, I was like, <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> but his you thing, how evolutionary lived. Yeah, I yeah. saw. See, I bought the digit. Uh, I got saw the deleted scene where they throw him in space prison or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so that's gonna be interesting. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, and in the action scene, the Beastie Boys mm-hmm. sequence was one of the coolest. Love that action scene. Scenes. One take, yeah. even though we know it wasn't one take. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But everyone got to shine. Everyone was putting in work. You know, uh, Rocket and Groot doing my thing. And, and as far as like, yeah, I've always loved Rocket as a character. But now after this movie, I think he's up there with Cat. Like Captain America was like one of my favorite MCU out of the MCU. I mean, like the trade. It like, was his movie. I mean, yeah, part yeah. three was his movie, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Drax was great. That scene where Drax and where Nebula and Mantis argue over pushing Drax, that, like, yeah, that actually I found very touching. Right. <laughs> and then they erase his mind afterward because they realize yeah, it hurt yeah. his feelings and they want to take it that yeah. far. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was great. But no, it was, it was I loved it. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, like you're right. Superhero fatigue. If they make a good movie, it's fuck yeah. Spider-Verse <laughs> proves that. So yeah. 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 So we're not tired of these movies. We just want you to make better movies. That's all. You make, make better movies, we'll go see them. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sound of Freedom. That's all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all right, let's talk about the next day. This is back on you, Eli. Let's let's go. Let's see. Oh, okay. uh, what do we got? What do we got? Oh, the Ahsoka trailer. The Ahsoka trailer. Okay. Okay, well, Ahsoka is dropping next month, and they they released a new trailer which showed a bunch of new scenes and, um, yeah, um, and it basically looks like they're doing live action rebels. We're seeing a lot of the rebels characters. Uh, we got to see Grand Admiral Thrawn live action. Um, he kind of okay. looked. People are saying he kind of looked like Elon Musk, and I was like, that's perfect. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> People always going to complain about something. So yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, Grand Admiral Thrawn is like a strategist. He is like a a very intelligent, methodical villain. You know, he wasn't Vader or the Emperor and just like just showcased, always demonstrating how powerful he was. No, he was like calm, collected, and um, and just always thinking ahead he was, he was like it was all a chess game then you know so um the guy they got playing i think is fine um i'm eager um and i'm totally stoked for the show this is one of the you know i haven't been excited for a star wars show in a while I mean, other than you know season three of mando which i felt was disappointing but that's just me but um most of the star wars shows that they've been showing you know the live action stuff i thought have been just fine uh, this I'm actually excited for. Um, I've actually started watch rewatching the Rebels show, and after doing that, that Rebels is starting to become one of my favorite things of Star Wars ever. I mean, um, I, I thought it already was it, because <laughs> when we when we talk about Star Wars, you always go to either Clone yes. Wars or Rebels. That's, that's I, I, yeah, I like Clone Wars is awesome, but Clone Wars, um, you know, it, it is you know, it's it's it came out like ten years ago. I mean, and then. They finally wrapped it up, and you know, but um, but I, why, I didn't see Rebels until Disney Plus, like, until you know, Disney Plus dropped a few years ago, and I watched it. I loved it, and now I'm rewatching it again, and 
I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Um, some of the best Star Wars to- storytelling. Um, uh, and the characters I, uh, are great. You know, um, I think it embodies just what Star Wars is. You know, what everything we love about Star Wars is all in this show. Um, you know, from the, the ragtag group of, you know, outlaws, because that's what it is. It's set between A New Hope and A Revenge of the Sith. And it's just basically how the Rebel Alliance was for you know this ragtag group of outlaws just you know going around doing dirt around the galaxy and trying to stay at you know uh not get caught by the empire that's basically slowly becoming this fascist tyrannical state you know and then they reluctantly start joining up with other rebel cells that are considered terrorists and all that like that Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah, I mean, and then of course, I mean the Jedi. I mean, you have so in this in this trailer, we're seeing Hera. You know, she was the captain of the of the Ghost, which was the ship on Rebels. Um, she was a uh, she was the pilot. You know, we had Sabine, who was a Mandalorian, who you know kind of had a lot of drama with her family and the Mandalorian clan, and that show goes into you know, the inner dealings of Mandalorian culture, you know, and all the inner fightings of all the tribe, the tribal warfare of Mandalorians. Um, yeah, she's on the show. Um, uh, Ezra, who started out as like this street, he was like a Han Solo. He's, he was a street kid, you know, kind of, uh, he was orphaned, you know, running the streets, hustling to get by. He ends up joining the crew and it turns out he was force sensitive and you see him, become one of the coolest Jedis, you know, and Kanan, Kanan was on the crew too. He was a Jedi. He was a kid during order Order 66. So he survived order 66. And then he joins with the rebels crew. Um, and he, uh, he's not a full, uh, both of them, both him and Ezra start learning to be, become Jedis throughout, throughout the rebel series. Cause you know, Kanan was a kid. So he never completed his training, but slowly throughout the show, you see them, you know, learn the ways of the force um, and do really cool shit and become really cool Jedi characters. Uh, and of course, Zeb, Zeb is the, the, the big monster guy. He had a cameo on uh, this last season of Mandalorian. Um, the, the interesting thing about Zeb is his look he 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 was uh his design was one of the original designs of Chewbacca. So when okay. Ralph McQuarrie, the guy who designed the Star Wars universe, the ships and a lot of the creatures and all that, mm-hmm. he was doing sketches for the Wookiees, and one of the original sketches was this creature that they used for Zeb on the show. So that's the cool thing about Zeb is he was basically the original Wookiee design. Um, and yeah, and it's just basically them doing dirt throughout the universe, slowly, reluctantly fighting for the cause. You know what I mean? Being drawn into the Rebel Alliance and fighting the Empire. You know, that's the story arc of, of it's like five seasons, four or five seasons. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then you, there's episodes with Lando. You see episodes with Leia. Vader, yes, Ahsoka shows up. The Vader... Uh, Ahsoka duel is one of the best things ever in Star Wars. Um, we see Wedge 
Wedge was a pilot for the Imperials before he joined the Rebels. We there's so much Star Wars lore for OG fans that you know, um, yeah, Rebels is awesome. So basically, the new Ahsoka show looks like it's an extension of Rebels because we're seeing all those characters live action for the first time. So I'm pretty stoked, and yeah, I can't wait. Basically. <laughs> cool. Like I said, I don't know any of these people, but that's okay. Now, the reason <laughs> I didn't watch the trailer is because I'm already sold on it. I don't, why would I watch the trailer and spoil that for me? Plus, I don't know any of these people. I just watch them and go to Plus, you sold me on it by one thing. Rosario Dawson. That's all you got to say. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. I watch read the phone book for two hours. I'm good. So, yeah. <laughs> so, just playing And she's playing Ahsoka, who is one of the coolest Star Wars characters of all time. She's up there now. Even though she debuted on as a cartoon and she wasn't right. in any of the movies, yeah. she has and, and, and I know the main reason she's favorite. here is because she got fan casted as like, who should play Ahsoka? Get Rosario yeah. Dawson. Rosario Dawson's like, yes, yeah, I'll do it. So, so there yeah. you go. She works. Yeah. And Rosario Dawson is a nerd. Like she's actually she's a, a geek. Did Frank Miller movies and this yeah. and yeah. She had a comic book. Like uh it was kind of like the X Files. Yeah. Um, uh yeah, she wrote a comic book like back in the nineties. Yeah. That DMZ show on HBO she had, that was a DC oh, book. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I said, she she's she's a she's geek royalty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all right. So oh, I'm gonna throw in a Hail Mary, not a Hail Mary, Audible. I don't watch football. I don't know what it is. I'm going to just throw some shit in there. Okay, we're going to talk about... Uh, oh, I thought it was going to pop up. It didn't pop up. That. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we're going to talk about uh, Hugh Jackman finally got review, uh, revealed as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. We're going to show the picture real quick. And, of course, Eli, everybody started bitching. Now, this is the most comic-accurate you know, Wolverine costume we ever got in a live-action movie. And people still bitch, you know, the sleeves. Why is he wearing sleeves? Like, what the fuck? They complain about everything, man. Why just he had wanted to see his hairy pits, yeah? Like, why? (laughs) And then you got some people mad because he's too tall. Like, hey, who James been wearing for like 30 years now? And now you're playing now, you're bitching about him. (laughs) Now, you bitch about that. Shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, (laughs) now, can I bitch? Can I bitch for a second, though? By all means, I'm a bitch. Okay, (laughs) I'm a bitch because he's not wearing the mask. That's all. Now, maybe, maybe he'll wear the mask doing the the movie, you know. But I kind of want the mask. Give me the mask, man. Give it to me. That's all I want. Now, am I gonna bitch and moan and complain all this? Like, yes, I will. But that's that's what we do here, you know. But I'm gonna see the movie anyway. So I'm sure. I'm sure there's gonna be scenes with his mask, and it's gonna be the stunt double. I'm perfectly fine with that. Ben Affleck got yeah. away with it, so I'm cool with it. You know, yeah. I just want to see the mask, even if it's for like a few scenes. He got. I ain't say it got to be the whole movie. Just give me a few scenes with the mask. I just want to see. Wh- Here's my thing, mm-hmm. and they're saying this is going to be R-rated. <laughs> right. So I want to see Wolverine dismember Deadpool. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> it's going to happen. Like, yeah, well, see, I the thing see is, this- what you're talking about. <laughs> They, they've already showed blood and all that of shit. Hugh Jackman yeah. like throwing like Wolverine, like Deadpool's arm or some shit like that. So and that's oh, why. Was I think it? I, yeah, I think I saw that. Okay. Like they showed some I other. I saw stuff like on. him throw like like 
Deadpool like on wires being like in no the he threw like a piece of Deadpool like somewhere okay there. but well, that, cool. I saw that too but yeah but that's my thing about this like okay Fox chill out with the spoilers and behind the scenes stuff like that we do want to save some of the movie for us you know we do want to see we don't want to know everything about this movie behind behind that so stop with the leaks stop with the pics stuff like that give us one ring that's cool but all the other stuff behind that don't show it because I saw one picture that showed remember like the Fox look 20th century Fox logo. It was like torn down in shambles, like Deadpool and Wolverine was like standing behind it. So I'm like, okay, you're giving away too much. Remember, I already said that it might be Wolverine, like Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe or Fox Universe. They kind of yeah. giving that away already. So like, chill out with that, you know. Then they got all these crazy ass rumors like Scarlet Witch and and Jean Grey are gonna fight in this movie. I'm just like, okay, here we go, here we go. <laughs> Bullshit ass rumors getting started. So. Don't worry, like I will start a bullshit ass rumor for us also, and just throw this shit at them to see what happens. So yeah, yeah. I don't Wednesday know Adams as Scarlet Witch. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and just watch the internet just eat itself alive because that's all you got to do. Just say bullshit and just watch it catch on. So, yeah. All right, so uh, we can move on past that. Uh, next part of the podcast, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, we move on to the next part of the podcast. Like I said, this is comic book bullies. We're talking about comic books, and Eli has a smorgasbord of reviews for you because he got. A ton of them. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna let you go first and and see what we got. All right. Well, I guess I will go. Uh, well, since we're still kind of sorta in Star Wars mode, I will do Star Wars Bounty Hunters number thirty six. I, I thought you like gave up on this book. I did give up on this book. Um, the only reason why I jumped back on because it's a new story arc. And Boba Fett's in it. <laughs> That's a good reason to jump so, back yeah, in. Okay. I, 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 w- I read the Bounty Hunter series for like a year or two. I read mm-hmm. it for a while. I was on board for a long time, and still they did that, the Crimson Empire event. And then I kind of fell off. Yeah, it was like a, um, a crossover with every Star Wars book. And- yeah, and then I, that, so it's been about a, it's been about a year since I've read this. Um, so, new story arc involving Boba Fett, so I'm back on. So, Star Wars Bounty Hunters is just that. It's the Bounty Hunters from a Star Wars universe just going around doing outlaw crime gangster shit. You know, um, this crew that we have, Valance, um, he's one of the main characters. He's like a cyborg, um, basically like a Terminator, cyborg, human cyborg kind of guy. Um, he his memory or his yeah his whatever his memory his hard drive is being corrupted so he's slowly losing all his memory so basically the crew have to go find this like uh the ultimate hacker or whatever so that's and they need boba fett to help them so boba fett's like okay i'll help you guys but you guys got to help me first you know and they end up going to the Black Sun. Now, the Black Sun is uh, no, is another crime family. In the Star Wars universe, they debuted in Shadows of the Empire. Um, I don't know if you remember that from the 90s. They made a video game. I remember the they, video they, game. Some some yeah, generic-looking dude was the... Yeah. Dash Rendar. Dash Rimdar or some shit. Yeah. Video game. They did comics. They did toys. They released a whole... Uh, I read the novel. It's one of my favorite Star Wars stories, too. Um, and, and yeah, so anyways, Black Sun is a bunch of crime organization. Um, the bounty hunter crew goes and meets up with them. 
Um, the crew consists of Bosk, the reptile guy, the Trandoshan, um, Zucus, 4LOM, um, Dirge is in this. The robot Dirge. Okay. He's like a cyborg alien guy. Um, Dirge debuted in, I think, the comics, but then he was in that Clone Wars cartoon that, uh, what's that guy's name? Jen, Jenny, how, how do you say his name? Tark, Tark. What's that guy? The guy who did like Samurai Jack. And, oh, um, I know you're talking about, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tarkovsky, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Guinea, he did that guy. Okay, yeah, that guy, and he did the Clone Wars. He did those Clone Wars cartoons. Yeah, those, those before, shorts that were like like fifteen those, minutes or something like that. Yeah. yeah, those shorts before the the you know Filoni's Clone Wars. Um. Anyways, he debuted. He was on that show, and he was like a comic character back in when Dark Horse owned Star the Star Wars titles. He's in this. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it turns out that uh, that Clone Wars cartoon, the animation, the shorts, those aren't canon anymore because uh, Asaz Ventress debuted mm-hmm. in that in that series too, and right. Anakin kills her. She was Asaz Ventress was Dooku's apprentice, mm-hmm. Sith apprentice, and Anakin kills her in that series. But it turns out um, that those cartoons aren't canon anymore because I'm. I read a book called Dark Apprentice where she falls in love with Quinlan Voss, who is a, one of my one of my favorite Jedi's, you know, who's native adjacent. We don't know his ethnicity, but natives mm-hmm. kind of claim him as the as the indigenous Jedi. Anyways, that story was intended to be a Clone Wars story arc, but the show got canceled by the Cartoon Network before they could produce it. So they just wrote it as a novel. Anyways. Asajj Ventress ends up getting killed by Dooku in that story. So those cartoons aren't canon anymore. <laughs> so, but Dirge shows up in this book. Anyways, they go the the the, the crew goes and meets the the, the Black Sun. They get double crossed. Big old action scene. Everyone shoots their way out. Um, and uh, and Boba Fett's like, okay, cool. Uh, I got what I I. I got what I wanted, and here's the location of this hacker. <laughs> like, wait, what the hell? You made us, you almost got us killed. Yeah, I, I needed you guys to take out the Black Sun so I can get my, my cargo, and I'm out. And now you guys can go find your hacker and save Valance's memory. So that's about, that's where the story ends. Like, damn you, Fett, and all that shit. So that's where it ends. It was fun. Four out of five. Again, Star Wars gangsters doing crime outlaw shit. All right, so I know you dropped it. Are you gonna stay with it? Yeah, it's 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 fun. I guess Boba Fett is still gonna return, and you know, this bo- this this story arc has Boba Fett, and it seems to go. They're back on track with them doing, you know, the, the back to their own series, and not that ep- that epic event that they were going through last year. So, um, yeah, I might I might check out the next issue. And it was a slow week, so I just said, ah, fuck it. Oh. Boba Fett's back in Bounty Hunters. I'll check it out. So it was kind of like that. Kind of a, the hell with it. I'll check it out. Because it was slow. So, yeah. Four out of five. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, First book I'm going to do is Fallen Friend. For those that don't know what happened, like I said, we, out of a Spider-Man comic, 
Miss Marvel died, and this book is more or less her funeral. That's that's the book. So yeah, let me see if I can get to it. And like I said, it's like uh and it's pretty much written by like the three most, I guess, important writers for Miss Marvel, like the ones that kind of flesh her out, like G. Willow Wilson. G. G. Willow Wilson, okay. Uh Mark Wade. Well, that's like cool. That. Yeah. So she's a, and yeah. another guy at the end of it, I think that he wrote like the second uh Miss Marvel arc, but I can't remember his name, you know. Spider-Man's in the front of it, but like I said, he killed her. So yeah. All right, so let's get to it and let's talk about like I said, I'm gonna kind of breeze through it because it's book's kind of sad, to be honest with you. Like I said, it's, it's a funeral. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's that's pretty much the whole book. Like I said, G. Now, Willow, okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, the book, like I said, you got three stories, and the first book is G. Willow Wilson, and it's about all the characters that she created, like all Miss Marvels, like side characters. They're basically mourning over. You know, that's that's what they're doing, talking over how much they miss her, how much you know, all this stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, but like I said, they're having a funeral for like everybody that died that day. For Miss Marvel and Camilla Khan, they don't know, like people that's there don't know that they're both the same people. Like I said, it was a uh, you know, a secret identity. So while they're doing that, and oh, and I like I said, I'm 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 not Muslim, so a lot of this book, you know, pretty much is all about the Muslim religion. Like they say a lot of things I don't know, a lot about the culture well, I don't I, know. I think G. Jilla Wilson is Muslim. So, yeah, she has yeah. to be. Like I said, you'd have to yeah. know the stuff that's going on in this book. So I, I, yeah. I imagine anybody that is reading this book that is Muslim, this is secondhand to them. Like they they would know what that meant. You know what's going on right there. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden another guy walks in, and everybody looks like, "Whoa, who is that guy?" Like, "Oh, that's Wolverine." You know. And Wolverine is dressed up, and he sits down and, and talks to Camilla Khan's father, and you know, "Assalamualaikum." Like, wait, what? Like Wolverine's Muslim? Like he's not really Muslim. But he studied Islam in Manchapur, like all those decades ago and stuff like that. So he he knows the religion. So he yeah. knows what to wear, what to say, who to talk to, like that. So he knows it, you know. Like I said, Wolverine's been around forever, you know. Yeah, so yeah. and while they're hugging out, one more person shows up that's of importance, and it's Miss Marvel. Oh well, Captain Marvel. She shows up. And she hugs it out with everybody else in there, and then that's how that book ends. That's that book, you know. Now, the second book was written by Mark Wade. Like I said, this is about the champions, and this is actually my favorite one out of these stories right here because it's about the champions. And they're basically talking about it's the, it's the same mosque, they, they haven't changed it with this, all happening the same same time, and basically just reminiscing on Miss Marvel. And basically, she's the one that formed the champions, she's the one that got them together, you know, whenever they needed somebody to stand up to other superheroes, she was the one to do it. She challenged them to be better, you know, stuff like that. Well, they're talking about it, you know, Viv Vision, just like, why y'all talking about Miss Marvel like like y'all never had any conflict with her? Like, y'all never got into it with her. Because like I said, Amadeus Cho and Miss Marvel used to get into it all the time. And because she's not understanding that. She was like, don't you understand that we're grieving, we're mourning right now? She's like, no, I don't understand it. And they realized that she cut off her emotions. They were like, well, okay. So she, Viv's like, okay, so wanted me to understand how y'all are feeling, maybe I should turn on my emotions. They're like, whoa, 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 before you do that, do you understand what that means? They're like, of course, I've, I've calculated all the variables. I'll be fine. So she just a doop, 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 touches her forehead, something like that, cuts on the emotions, and it all hits her at the same time. Not just Camilla. Her, I'm going to screw her name up again. I'm screwing her name up again. It's Kamala. Cool. Kamala. I'm screwing her again. <laughs> Not just Kamala, but her mom, who died in a vision book, her brother, yeah. that dog. The dog, it, yeah, it's all hitting her at the same time because she had cut off her emotions since then, so it's overwhelming for her. 
So she's just like, I can't take it. So she leaves out of there. She fades out of there while the, you know, while the funeral's still going on. And she leaves, and I think she goes to uh like the old champions building, like the building they used to like run, but it's like abandoned now. Nobody goes there anymore. And she's just sitting there just by herself, and she's just like, you know, I miss you, Kamala. I I, I realize I'm never gonna see you again, and it hurts too much. And then when she realizes, she just goes, doop, doop, doop. and that's it. She back to normal. Man, that's kind of messed up, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Machines, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. They just turn off the most whenever they want to. That and- reminds me. Now I'm not. I'm not a Star or Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie whatsoever. But yeah, that reminds me of a Data episode with Star Trek or Star Trek with Data. Where yeah. didn't he have a daughter at one point or something? And she you only lived, the wrong guy. Only lived, just, yeah, yeah. That I thought that was very touching. You know? So uh, every cool. Yeah. So and I do notice this. This is part of the culture also that you have to take your shoes off when you enter the mosque, which Iron Man does. You know, so I thought that was pretty cool. Why is Iron Man even dressed up as Iron Man? Everybody knows he's Tony Stark. So <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, like just go as Tony Stark, man. You gotta do all this, you know. But anyway, so anyway, they're they're reading the prayer. Everybody is praying because I, I guess it's part of you know the ritual where it's you know you're mourning a friend, you say a, a, a certain prayer, and Doctor Strange is translating the prayer so they understand the in the English language. You know, that's what mm-hmm. you're doing in their heads like that. So they're talking back for it, and you know, Tony's like, "Well, why don't you just bring it back, Doc? You can, you have the power to do that." He's like, "No, I can't do that because it's violating the null laws. Whatever they do it all the time, but for some reason they can't do it now. You know, so." But they had this discussion of why they can't do it. I, I, I wasn't feeling it. Anyway, Captain America walks in and Captain America said, the reason I'm here, even though I really wasn't, I really didn't know her like that. But the reason I'm here, because before she was a champion, she was an Avenger. And the Avengers always honor a fallen Avenger. You know, so he gives his speech. And basically saying, like, you know, I've known a lot of superheroes, some good, some gods, some crazy people, some serial killers, some unbalanced. You, you see Moon Knight in the background, stuff like that, you know. Uh, but then he's like, but as far as Miss Marvel, even though I've seen every superhero you can think of and I lived a long life, it was something different about her. Like you can see that, you know, her passion to save people radiated from her life. Like, I don't, I know this term doesn't exist anymore, but back in my day, we would have said she had gumption, you know, and crazy supervillain outside. I think one of the record crew doesn't know that all the superheroes in the mosque right now turns around and everybody's ready to beat his ass. He's like, you know what? I'm going to turn myself in. Don't worry about it. You know? Uh, then we go to Spider-Man, you know, the guy who killed Miss Marvel to begin with. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so he's going. There. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, he's just like, I don't know what to say. Now, because she was so she uh was so much put more put together at her age than I was. So like, nah, matter of fact, she will put together than I am now, <laughs> you know. So he goes and he's like, so how am I going to introduce myself at this at this funeral right now? Uh, like, what do I say to the parents? Do I say um, she was my intern? I'm like, nah, that's too impersonal. Do I say she was my friend? They're like, nah, they're gonna ask questions. Why was a 16 year old girl, you know, cool with a 30 year old man? So he can't say that. So when he finally walks up to the parents, he says, "Your daughter was my hero," and that's how the book ends. So that's it. That was it. So everybody, wipe your eyes, dry your tears, because. That wasn't all. I'm trying to see what is okay. Because the thing was, we just got news. I don't know if anybody heard about this, but we just got news yesterday that boom, Kamala Khan is back by next month. So, yeah, 
She's already back. No way. What? Yeah, we, we <laughs> figured out she's back. And not only that, you see the X on it right there. You see it, you know. So, yes, she's coming back not only next month, but as an X-Man. So, which we Ooh, already no, said. No cheeseburgers for you now. <laughs> no cheeseburgers for me. I Like I said, y'all got to quit challenging me on this stuff. I know when it's going to happen. So, yeah, so she's coming back as an X-Man. Not only that, the book that she's coming back in will be written by uh, – the actress that plays Miss Marvel. So she's writing the book. So, you know, I don't really like this stunt writing stuff like that, but you know, Marvel's going to Marvel. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, but yeah. So what do I think about this book? This book, I'm going to just flat out say it, it was emotionally manipulative. That's what it was. Because it it did have some sad parts to it. Not going to lie. It was a real well-written book, but this was a stunt they pulled. They fridged her and then had this moment right here for a character they're going to bring back in a month. Not a year, not two years, not six months, a month. Next month, she's ready to go, you know. And they having all these sad moments like that. And I think like it was, you know, it, I, I feel like this, I feel kind of icky, you know, reading this book. That's all. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I just had to read it just to see how it went. But overall, they I like Marvel. You. They got you. They got me, but the reason they got me because I wanted to review it on this podcast. So, because if anybody was curious, they would know if anybody watched this podcast, you know. The now, are you a uh, Ms. Marvel? Are you a Kamala Khan fan? I mean, I'm cool with her. I don't rage anytime she shows up on screen like that. I mean, she's there, she's popping a book. I'm like, that's a cool character, you know, a cool concept yeah. for character. I did think she was like when her first arc way back when that original series I thought was well written and well done and i thought yeah. she was like the teen super she embodied the teenage superhero like what spider-man was right you know so it makes sense that she would be the leader of the champions you like they will yeah. follow her yeah i thought it was pretty well written and um and yeah just just a character who's a teenager juggling all the pressures of life school relationships and she's a superhero who has to fight supervillains. and i thought right. that was done very well and uh, yeah, and she's a fan of superheroes stuff like that. She's so a all fan that was of pretty cool. Yeah, yes. so yeah, no, 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 like I said, I, I like the character. You know, I don't really yeah. don't even have a problem with her becoming an X Man or a mutant and stuff like that. Like I said, the Inhumans they suck. You know, so they want to get her away from them and sit with the cool kids. Yeah, she wasn't Inhuman. Yeah, yeah, but that whole thing, and I get why the whole. I didn't oh. catch that. Oh shoot! Stop! Shut up! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Siri went nuts. Uh, but the whole point about that because at the time she was created. That was the time that you know Disney and Fox were beefing, you know. So Disney like you can't use the excellence like that. So when they start making these characters, they were like, you know, make her an inhuman. But yeah. if it was any other time, they would have made her a mutant. She would have been a mutant from the jump. Yeah, know? probably. So, yeah. so I, I didn't really. But have hey, a let's throw in Locke because she was like she had Lockjaw as a pet for a while and shit. Yeah, so. probably will just throw. <laughs> wasn't it kid? Right? Oh, I'm glad you said that. I see why Wolverine's like the first people to show up. We already know this. They're gonna have like some kind of surrogate father daughter thing going on with her and wolverine she's gonna be wolverine's new sidekick well or sorry whatever you know just like kitty pride and jubilee and rogue and armor and all these and x23 and all these shit like it's always the girl teenage superhero that gravitates wolverine so we know that's gonna be a thing so i don't know probably yeah well wolverine's everyone's favorite x-men basically you know. Yeah, so that's the <laughs> so, thing. So when you're a teenage girl, you got to go with Wolverine on his adventure. So that's what got to yeah. happen. So overall, I, I'm gonna give this book. I'm gonna give it. Huh? 
Well, you said it was sad. Did it, it, did it was sad. It, it evoked emotion from me, but then I realized that they're manipulating the emotion from me, you know. Because- it ain't no Fantastic Four. What was that? The silent issue of Pikmin's. No, that was great. That was great. I give that book credit, you know. And plus, yeah. they actually kept Human Torch like dead for a while. Like, he was there for a while, you know, <laughs> not next month. You know, <laughs> so I get the credit for that. So it wasn't that, but like I said, that vivid vision, like scene, uh, storyline that, that seemed pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that seemed pretty cool. Well, there's just inter- vision and his family are just interesting characters. So yeah, you know, it was, they're it, all dead. It, yeah. and the daughter's on the one left. How yeah. a machine would process grief. That's always yeah. an interesting. An android can cry. You know, that's the whole vision story. Yeah. So yeah. So all right. What would you get? Oh, oh yeah. Well, what, what was your What was your rating? You're like, mm, two point five <laughs> out of five, man. I'm gonna give it a two point five out of five. Honestly, it's a well written story, well drawn art. They have some moments into it, but like I said, they're manipulating you to buy this book. This book, on on principle, should not exist. That's why I'm giving it two point five out of five. Yeah. But if you gotta read it, it is an interesting story. So that's why I got yeah. it. So, but I wouldn't recommend you reading it. <laughs> so. All right, all right. I guess since we're talking about Mark Wade, uh oh, right? <laughs> we're talking about Mark he Wade. Wrote one, did you say he wrote one of these stories? Yeah, he wrote the the middle one, the one with the champion because he wrote the champions book. Well, uh, the first like the first arc of it. Yeah. Your favorite one? You said that was your favorite story? No. Oh well, yes, the favorite story out yeah, of this book. That, so yeah. Out of this yeah. book, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he wrote this one. He wrote World's Finest, Teen Titans, number one. Um. This is the like the only DC book that ain't with the nightmares or whatever or night terrors. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like everything else is night terror. What the hell? The whole DC drop this week was just all night night terror tie-ins and shit. And this was wait, you know I did some digging on that, right? Because like the artists and the writers are behind on the stories. So this is night terrors bullshit is just to get them caught up. Oh so that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's why all <laughs> Here, the books are basically draw a bunch of monsters and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, because none of these books are written by people we know. So this is hiring outside people to get the other people caught up on the books that's supposed to be caught up on. So we just pass the time with just bullshit right now. So this is a, a bullshit car- crossover. So yeah. Meanwhile, we will uh, review it later on. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is uh Teen Titans World Finest, Mark Wade writing, and it's basically an early in the early days of the Teen Titans when they're teenagers, because right now they're they're tight, they're just Titans. Um, but this is their Teen Titans. Robin is Robin, like Dick Grayson is still Robin. This is before he became Nightwing, you know. Uh, and it's just basically them working out how the dynamics of the team is. Um, Speedy and uh, Kid Flash, they want attention. They want like publicity, like they 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 like when the Teen Titans go out and fight crime and fight supervillains, they start posing for photos and start fucking whipping out their, you know, their phones and taking selfies and shit. And Robin's oh, like, "Yo, so this is a reimagining." So yeah, yes, yes, yes. Because Teen Titans <laughs> like born back in like the sixties, shit like that. So of course, yeah, like, yeah. This is groovy, yeah, this is, you know. This yeah. is modern day 
yeah. team type. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm with it. I'm yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're not jiving and you know smoking. <laughs> I'm hip, daddy. Smoking numbers and <laughs> wearing bell bottoms and shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is the modern day Teen Titans. So um, yeah. So basically, Robin's like, no, we can't be. You know, we can't call all this intention on us and shit. You know what I mean? And that basically causes friction. Some of these people are like, yo, we, we, we should, you know, we should get recognized. We should, you know, be friendly to the people and shit. They want, we have fans. And Robin's like, nope, nope, nope. And like, you sound like your dad, you know? Mm-hmm. So then we have a, a really cool sequence where, um, where every Titan goes back to like their parent or mentor and they're all like, oh, well, it sounds like Robin's trying to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like every one of them, like like uh, Wonder Girl or whatever, goes back to Diana. She, oh yeah, Bruce, he's fucking, this. you know, <laughs> Green Arrow's like yeah, it sounds like Bruce is, you know, rubbing off on Robin. <laughs> 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 that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that's all it is. It's just them sort of uh, you know working out their relationships and trying to the the dynamic of the how the team works and Dick is trying to be the leader. And trying to do things right. And there's a scene where Batman's like, "You can't trust them. You can't. You you know, you, you're in charge of their lives. They're you're they're under your orders. And what happens to them is going to reflect on you." So of course, Batman's a dick and telling you know, right? Trying to so he got to be Robin. Teach Robin how to be a leader and all like, yeah, yeah, all that shit. You're responsible for their lives and all that shit. And so, um, and then yeah, the, then they're arguing. You don't even trust us. Like every every one of us. You know our names. You know Wally. You know Speedy. You know you know all our fucking names. We don't know your name. You're Robin. You know <laughs> you won't even tell Rob. Us who you you know shit like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So it was fun. It was just a fun little throwback to you know their early days and just. A, I mean, it's a dead giveaway because Robin's wearing pants. So yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. You know. So I, I give it a four out of five. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it feels like it's in the know. same vein as the world's finest Superman, Batman, yeah, and that Shazam yeah. book, and all this yeah. like that. So yeah, that's all. It's just a fun little, you know, superhero story. I don't know if I'm going to read the second issue. I might wait till it drops on DC, but uh, but it was something to read. Like I said, it was a slow week, and I didn't feel like jumping into Night Terrors. So yeah, I got this. You know, Night, so Night Terrors is a is a thing. It's yeah. Next two months. All, yeah, out of all the crossovers, <laughs> the summer blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> summer blockbuster horror crossover. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, speaking of, let's talk about Night Terrors. <laughs> you know, like I said, because of all the crossovers we read this year, this is one of them. So let's see. So this is this is the real Night Terrors number. This one. is the real. It's weird. They call it Night Terrors number one, but if you don't read the Night Terrors before this one, you will the be one last week. Lost. That we you read would be last completely week? lost, right? Because it, it flows like right into it. And I was kind of completely lost reading that one. So, but right, and that was like the beginning of it. So yeah, so yeah. if you just jumping in, you like the fuck, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so this oh, is night. Yeah. This was this on DC? It was not. No, you got to like last one was on DC. This is not on DC. Okay. So you you had to pay for this. One. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but the good thing about it, it wasn't like eight dollars no shit like that. It was the normal price normal book is. So yeah, the other one was overpriced, like oversized. So this yeah. is just regular size. So let's get to it. Night Terrors number one, the actual 
beginning, even though it's a second book in this. So, yeah. So, basically, this story is a dead man story. It's all about dead man. He starts off, he's narrating, all stuff like that. Uh, basically telling them his backstory, if you don't know who Dead Man is. I guess I'll just explain Dead Man. Dead Man was an accurate back in the 60s or something like that. Uh, during one of his acts, he got assassinated by some gangsters that he owed money to. So he had to get revenge on them, but somehow he got trapped between heaven and hell on earth. So that's Dead Man. He was part of the Just League Dark. He's a ghost. That's his power. He's a ghost. But since the Just League Dark, like half of those fuckers, you know, see ghosts anyway, they can see him, interact with him, kick it with him, shit like that. So, yeah, that's Dead Man. So back to the present. Now, Dead Man is in Batman's body being attacked by the supervillain of the story named Insomnia. That's what I'm saying. If you didn't read the last story, you will not know what the fuck is going on right now. So that's happening right now. So that's the big bad insomnia. And he basically brags about he's the king of nightmares and I nobody do remember can stop that, him. Yes. Yeah. And basically, we get a backstory on who this insignia guy is. I am the god of nightmares. Just like that. So his whole thing is that he's trying to get the nightmare stone, but he doesn't know where the nightmare stone is. But he thinks that Dr. Destiny hid it in one of the superheroes. So that's why he's attacking all the superheroes to find out where the nightmare stone is. If he gets his hands on a nightmare stone, apparently that is it. He's going to screw everything up. And that's why Dead Man jumps out of Batman's body into Insomnia's body. And that's how he finds out all this stuff about him. So he gets the nightmare stone and he sees that everything is going on right now and how he's possessing the superheroes. And, you know, and right there that, like I said, I said, Sandman better show up in this book. So technically you get Sandman, but you don't get Sandman. This is not the emo goth Sandman. This is the, the golden age pulp hero Sandman. Still Sandman, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, Just and what then, you wanted, huh? <laughs> kind of, but not. It's like, you know. <laughs> so we, we go to Dead Man. He's still going through Insomnia's memories. And he realizes that Insomnia was an Arkham inmate. And he got chains. He got powers from the Lazarus planet. The Lazarus rain hit him and turned him into the god of nightmares. Insomnia? Insomnia, yeah. Okay. This, this is all no, now. No. This is not some yeah. stuff... Yeah. So is Insomnia, is this a new character? Yes, this is a new character, new origin. They're just saying that stuff happened with, uh, you know, the 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 Risen or the Lazarus planet. Spinning out of Lazarus. Uh, right, but they're planet. making all this shit up right now. So okay. that's what's saying. So he's invading all of the superheroes' nightmares because he's trying to get his hands on the Dreamstone, but he can't find it. But he know one of them has it, but he don't know which one has it. You know, uh, so so he insomnia kicks dead man out of his body. He like get out of my body. Um, so and so he jumps back into Batman's body. He like okay, I know who you are. I know you're just a random man, Arkham inmate, pretending to be a god. I know who you are. Uh, I know you killed Doctor Destiny. So, but I won't let you stop me. So, and he knows he's sending all his demon nightmare creatures. Oh, I'm sorry. His nightmare is called. They're called the Endless Knights. His henchmen are called the Endless Knights, what they call them. So Dead Man realized that he's come to kill him, so he's got to, he's only got one move, so he jumps out of the window of Arkham Tower. And he was, and he while he jumped out of the window, he like grabs some stuff, do some swinging, stuff like that, and he hits the ground, and he's like, damn, Batman is awesome. <laughs> you know, because he's in <laughs> Batman's body the whole time. He like, you know, he like, this might be the, the healthiest, fittest man I've ever been inside of. That, that, okay, that's wrong. That may be wrong to say that. 
it's wrong, but it's not wrong because the way <laughs> Dead Man talks about Batman is almost seems like you know. And then he sees the Batmobile. He's like, "Oh hell yeah, I gotta take the Batmobile for a ride." And he makes some kind of bullshit. Like, even though I know Bat- Batman doesn't want me in his body, he had to get Batman's body out of there. Otherwise, the, the endless nights would have killed him. So he gets the keys, jump into Batman's Batmobile, turns it on. You know, da-da-da-da. just wait till just wait yeah. till Dead Man jumps into Firestorm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> hey, and and Dead Man is just cheesing his ass over there. He's like, "Hell yeah, man! I'm Batman, man! I'm riding down in the Batmobile, you know, riding Batman's cars, skidding around, stuff like that." And he's like, "Let him leave or some shit, you know." Uh, so they they basically gonna track him down, but they're like, "No, I'm a no, no." Basically, like whatever spell he has to keep him in the, the living world, it's fading away. So he's fading back into the dream world, but he's telling his endless nights to go kill anybody that's still awake you know because there's still some people that are awake not a whole lot of people but still some people awake like red tornado satana you know so but other than that the entire planet has has fallen asleep so other than like a few people so he goes to a graveyard because inside of insomnia's mind he has a clue on who might know where the nightmare stone is and it's the person that made the nightmare stone so that even though there's no more lazarus juice left he knows Batman kept some for himself, so he took it and he used the Lazarus juice to resurrect a dead body. And who was that dead body he resurrected? The Sandman, Wesley Dodds, not the emo goth one, the cool pope hero one. So, yeah, that's the one that's back. And he is a rotting corpse, but he's alive. So he gives him his smoke gun, gives him the gas mask, and, Wes- and the Sandman is back, ready to put in work. Let's go solve a mystery. Let me continue. Okay. So, here's the thing. I'm not hating it. This is a complete throwaway. Don't get me wrong. Complete throwaway. But I'm not hating it. Like I said, I want to see Sandman. They kind of gave me Sandman, but you know, I guess Dead Writing Corpse, 40s Sandman. I just don't want to read a thousand books. To get the and books. I'm not. That's my thing. And I will not <laughs> read know? a thousand books. So, <laughs> so yeah, because it's way too many of these damn books coming out. But like I said, most of these books are just throw away. They're just there. I'll read the main story. I kind of see what's going on. But the thing is, if you're going to make this a dead man story, I'm kind of on board. I kind of like dead man. You know, especially if he just goes hopping from superhero to superhero. It's just, you know, so whatever. But yeah, I'm like it. Overall, 3.5 out of 5. I actually kind of like this story. I thought it was pretty cool. Insomnia is still a stupid ass looking villain, but I go with it. So, yeah. Uh, so, what you got next? Okay. My next book will be Earth Divers, number 8. Let me get you. There we go. So, okay. this is that um, Native American writer, Stephen Graham Jones. He writes horror novels. Um, that I've been reading. I love his horror novels. Um, he's right. He's written some comics and this is his, one of his uh, creator owned series. This is the one about the natives who travel back in time to try and change history. Um, the first story arc, they went back to kill Christopher Columbus to stop him from colonizing the earth. Um, things didn't work out. They did kill him, but colonization didn't happen. All, all it did was, freak out his sailors and they came back and with armies you know <laughs> it's, it's, still a time paradigm. it's a time yeah, paradox yeah. so yeah um so basically what happens is this is a dystopian future where earth is a shithole you know humans have destroyed the planet for human living 
and everybody left the planet, took off on spaceships, you know, took off on uh, by and large, or what's that? The Axiom from Wally. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. I'll pull it a deep cut. I don't know if you've seen Wally. I, I haven't. I heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's great. If for all y'all watch Wally, it's fucking awesome. You recommending a Pixar movie on here? I am. I am. <laughs> okay. It's fucking awesome. Wally is one of the greatest love stories ever. <laughs> what? Okay. Yes. Wally. You're awesome. a scroll, Eli. You are a scroll. You recommended a Pixar love story. Yeah, Where's the real Eli? My, I, yeah, my kid. I wanted to watch it. My kids. I've grown. They've grown up on it because they. Mm-hmm. And now I've had to watch it a thousand times since then. Um, but anyways, yes. Earth is a shithole. Humans left the planet, except the natives, except the indigenous people. They're the ones who stayed because you know where are they going to go? Like this is Mother Earth. It's what we do. You know, we back her at all costs. Um, so, anyways, they find a cave. There's a time portal in a cave that allows them to travel back in time. The fir- like I said, the first story arc where they went back to 1492 to kill Columbus, things didn't work out. This new story arc takes place in the Ice Age. Um, a woman's children wanders through the cave, goes back in time. She goes back to go find them, winds up in the Ice Age, like 30,000 years ago. Um, in America, there were tribes then. <laughs> yes, there were tribes in America 30,000 years ago. <laughs> Just by saying that is, is, is controversial in modern science because we were taught the Bering Strait theory in grade school, which states right. that natives crossed over from Asia into Alaska 13,000 years ago. Right. Well, it was that's all connected. And, yeah. Yeah. That's been taught in schools for like the last century. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, modern science and archaeology have keeps debunking that theory and they keep finding proof that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And this comic does that because this, these native tribes that are in the Ice Age and in the Americas, they're warring with the Salutrians, which were Europeans who they found out that there's, that there's evidence that Europeans crossed over the frozen Atlantic and into the, the northern, western hemisphere right. and met, fought natives, basically tried to pillage their land and the natives chased them out. And the reason why is these Clovis sites. Now, Clovis are uh, like weapons and spearheads. They, they found similar spearheads in like Delaware and in France, mm-hmm. which basically tells them that similar civilizations were, you know, at these two areas, America and France. So they theorized that these people, the Salutrians, actually came over you know, to America 25,000 years ago or whatever, which basically, again, debunks the Bering Strait. It says, you know, debunks the Bering Strait theory. And also Christopher Columbus wasn't the first European to come over here and quote unquote discover the new world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Discover something where people are already here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and there was people already here when the Salutrians came over, too. So, basically, that's, that's the premise of the story. Um, she goes back into the Ice Age, um, meets up with this native tribe who are fighting the Salutrians. Um, and that's kind of what's going on. Um, 
she kind of knows the history. She kind of knows she's like a, you know, uh, uh, like an archaeologist buff. So she kind of understands what's going on at the time. Um, it's basically like the movie Quest for Fire, where she's fighting all these prehistoric beasts, woolly mammoths and saber tooth tigers and all that shit while she's trying to help these natives, you know, fight these uh, encroachers, these ancient settlers, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak. So um, it's pretty cool. This issue felt a little jarring. It kept kind of jumping around like cutscenes, all these abrupt cutscenes. It was like really fast paced mm-hmm. and it kind of felt a little. So it hasn't been like that with the other book. It hasn't been consistent with confusing. the other Confusing. And I think that's, that's the thing. And I've said this before when novelists, people who write novels try to transfer into comics that there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a learning curve you know what right. i mean i think yeah i think his uh writing tends to um hasn't co- hasn't been cohesive with comic book fighting comic book writing yet you know mm-hmm. what i mean i think that's what this issue is suffering from it's a it's a bit jarring there's a lot a lot happens really fast and it, i had to like basically i kept okay what's going on what's going on but basically yeah she's um the 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 that the Salutrians massacred the tribe. She's helping the survivors. Um, they're on the run, uh, and she's getting sick. So she has a virus, which means a virus that these people probably have not had yet, because Uh-oh. this is a, they're in ancient times, ice mm-hmm. age. So what she does at the end of this book. And she sneaks into the Salutrians' camp and spits into their soup, their pot of soup that they got boiling. So she's probably going to infect them with a virus, which would be the reverse of the smallpox blankets that was done to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, even though this book is a little, it's a little like confusing at times, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, um, as a comic book, it's a it's a little jarring to read as a comic book. The idea, the premise is still strong, and her voice, like her inner voice, is she's totally sarcastic and wisecracking and just like talking all this shit. You know, basically talking shit at what, what natives say about colonization and the settlers and what has happened. It's hearing her sarcastic inner voice is keeps it going. It, it keeps me engaged, anyways. You know, as a native comic book fan, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's cool. Like seeing her, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm sick with a virus. These probably, these people have probably never had, and I'm gonna go infect them. <laughs> like, right, that's, that's some ill shit, right there. <laughs> you know, so you know, it's basically a native revenge fantasy. That's what this book is, and I'm okay with that. So um, even though this book like was a little confusing at times, I'm gonna give it a three point five out of five. I'm okay. still digging the idea, and um, and yeah, and what this book is doing is, it's decolonize, decolonizing native history. It's retelling our history, you know. Right, not the stuff they say a hundred years yeah. ago. Like, no, this is new information. Yeah, decolonizing those false narratives that were that has been told through, you know, colonial history. You know. Right. The colonial perspective of they took over and you know we lost and 
wiped away all, you know, ignored our history and ignored our stories and, you know, our accounts, indigenous accounts of history to tell their version of it. So that's what's cool about this. And that's why I, I you know, that it's more of a statement. That's what I'm behind. This book is making a, a, a bold statement. So just for that, yeah, I'm still on it. So. Okay, okay. All right, next. Well, last book I'm going to do is Immortal X-Men number 13. So okay. kind of fell off on this book. I'm, I'm kind of in and out on this book. So some stuff I'm catching on, some stuff I'm not catching on, but I'm going to just do my best to just keep it going as best I think I know what's going on with this book. But this is also a prelude to Fall of X, letting us know how the X-Men are planting the seeds to their own destruction. So, yeah. And that's, uh, who is that? Cypher? The one that talks is to everybody. It? That's kind of his book, but not really. And notice that he's in a bunch of leaves, which means fall. So, yeah. It's symbolism. Anyway, oh, let's get to it. Yeah. I get it. Art. They're making it, art. Exactly. They <laughs> The subtext of it. So, yes. like I said, it's, it's another quiet council. People haven't read the Immortal X-Men. All they do is have meetings. That's the entire book. That's the entire run. They don't do anything else but just have meetings. That's the book. So, yeah. This is another book another meeting and cypher notices something like wait a minute why are the leaves falling the leaves don't fall in Krakoa this is some new stuff so he like why are your leaves falling Krakoa he talks to Krakoa and Krakoa tells it cypher in its language and he's like oh that language translates to fall uh-oh so because the leaves aren't supposed to be rotting in Krakoa that means something isn't right you know so they go through their whole thing they have another quiet council meeting now if you ain't keeping up with the quiet council meetings they have all these books only half of them are allowed to vote because the other half may or may not be infected with the sinister gene which they don't know if they are or not so they don't let them vote they just you just can't vote just your vote doesn't count you can sit here but you don't count you know so that's what the whole point is right now but also the whole sinister timeline has been leaked online to everybody on the planet so everybody on the planet knows about the sense of timeline and what the fucked up shit the X-Men did. So now the human race hates mutants even more than it did before Krakoa started. So, and not only that, but all the, you know, the medicine they were trading with them and all the stuff they were doing for people, the humans don't want their stuff anymore. They're like, we don't want it. So, and they're like, okay, well, if they don't want it. That's fine. We they don't have to have it. They're like, no, you don't get it. We don't sustain our, uh, Krakoa is not a self-sustaining nation. We need goods to get what we need. So if the humans won't trade with us, we won't survive. Our economy will collapse. We have maybe a month's tops before we fall, uh, go down. And, you know, then they just start talking and trying to see what's going on. Oh, and what's that chick, that vampire chick? Celine, her. Yeah, she's there on the council for no reason. And this I tell everybody, she's working with Orcas. She's working with the, uh, the humans. She's a spy coming to kill us. You're like, no, I'm not. And so, and then they can't agree whether or not her vote, her vote should count. And then they finally make a decision. Where at least, uh, what's his, what's the dude name? Exit. Exit makes a decision. He like, okay, I have a solution. How about I kill her, the five resurrect her, and then her vote won't count anymore. How about that? Problem solved. And Celine's like, no, you can't kill me that easy. People have been trying to kill me for like twenty thousand years, and you're not gonna be the first one to do it. And she's like, oh, you don't get it. You don't understand how powerful I am. So I didn't know Exit was this damn powerful. So apparently he just does some shit like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to spread your molecules for the four, four corners of the world. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And she's like, damn. 
And so, but that's when Storm shows up, like, well, she can't, but I can. So Storm shows up out of nowhere and starts fighting exits for no reason. And she's like, Wait, why are you fighting me to save this vampire chick? She was like, Well, and then right before they like really get to fighting, they like unleash and Storm just letting Exus know, like, look, Exus, you know how strong I am, I know how strong you are. If we really let loose and cut to 11, we will kill everybody on this island. Like, do you want to do that? And he's like, damn. So he just stops fighting. He just goes down to the assistant middle of uh, you know, the middle of quiet council. And and Professor H is like, you know, that wasn't that wasn't a good thing to do, uh, Exodus. And Exodus is like, Yeah, I know. But what you gonna do about it? I'm the strongest person here. There's nothing you can do to stop me if I if I want to do whatever I want to. I'm only here because I choose to be here. I was here because I believed in Krakoa, and as record I believed in no longer exists. And then he gets so emotional, he starts crying and shit in the middle of the cry council and and hope just grabs him and just walks off which you realize that hope is not the messiah that he thought she was so and that's when uh cypher you know decides to actually talk one-on-one professor actually like look i got a message from you for krakoa and krakoa wants to tell you all the stuff that's been going on like why are there leaves falling in krakoa the reason the leaves are falling is because the people are corrupt and krakoa feeds off the people so the people with their ill intentions, I mean, the mutants with the ill intentions are making Krakoa sick. So unless the people, the mutants, you know, come to terms with what they're doing, Krakoa is just going to get sicker and sicker. That's why the leaves are falling. And that's when Professor X finally break down and tell Cypher everything that's going on. He was like, look, I never believed in any of this stuff. I never wanted to do this Krakoa shit. I only did it because when I looked at Memoria, Memoria's uh, memories, and all the timelines, everything that I've been fighting for this whole time has failed. So I realized the only way I even have a chance of succeeding is to team up with people I never wanted to team up with before. Magneto, Apocalypse, Moria. I never wanted to be with them. I never believed in mutant segregation or mutant essentialism. I never wanted to separate mutants from humans. In my opinion, mutants are humans. And for people to think that mutants aren't humans, I've been fighting against that idea my entire life. That's the that's Magneto talking. That's Orcus and the the Prince of Humanity talking. That's not me. I want to be a part of humanity, but I only started this just for them. But now look at us. Magneto's dead. Moria betrayed us. Apocalypse left. So the people I started this thing with, they all left, and I'm the only person holding this thing together. And that's when Doug tells him, and Cypher tells him, like, well, you got to let it go, because if you keep trying to hold on to this dream of Krakoa, you're gonna lose everything. And we're all going to be the ones to suffer for it. So Professor is like, okay, I, I made, I came with a decision. I know what we need to do. And before he can do it, all the telepaths and the quiet council say the same thing. The quiet council is done. We're getting rid of it. We're going to announce it to the rescue Koa at the Hellfire Gala this year. But at the Hellfire Gala, <laughs> yeah, we're done. You know. How much is that going to cost? <laughs> exactly. $12. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so. And the reason they're announcing it now is because they didn't want like Sebastian Shaw to come with like some kind of scheme to like double cross or like that. Like, no, we're done. This is it. And matter of fact, Hope tells that matter of fact, until the new government comes here, which won't, we won't be a part of, the five is on strike. The five is not going to resurrect anybody. We're done. That's it. Because we can't resurrect anybody because we don't know whether they've been affected with Sinister or not. So, and that's the thing. So, uh, and that's when Doug shows up, you know, Cypher walks on the camera. He was like, look, I know y'all don't want to change and I know y'all want to do this and y'all think y'all above humans, stuff like that, but y'all doing the same thing humans do. Isn't this what humans do? Try to create an utopia in a certain place and try to have something they never had before? 
So y'all try to act like y'all above humans, but y'all are just like humans, you know. So does anybody, I say we get rid of the council, anybody objects, and only one person holds their hands up, you know, destiny. And right before Siphon can say something, Krakoa swallows him up <laughs> and puts him into the pit where all the other, other people are. So Hope starts talking to him because she like steals Siphon's power. Like, why did you take him? And she translates, she was like, I must protect him. That's what Kakoa is saying. I must protect him. And that's pretty much it. Like, okay, we screwed up. So basically, whatever is happening, about to happen, it's about to be bad because they're trying to make sure that Cypher doesn't get control, but didn't care about the rest of them. And like, we might have made a mistake. And Emma's like, you mean only one mistake? To be continued. So, yeah. So basically, they really, I think the next story is the, uh, the Hellfire Gallery. So apparently some shit is gonna go down the hair file gallery. I don't know what, but I guess we have to pay pay out the nose to, to find out what it is. So yeah. <laughs> so overall, good strong story. Four out of five is building the seeds for the fall of X. The cry council is done. You know, I you know what I kind of like this book, all this political intrigue, Game of Thrones shit that's going on. I've enjoyed the story. This this whole run that's been going on. Mm-hmm. It's very different from the other X-Men books that have ever came before. So that's what it seems like. I mean, every time you talk about it, it sounds like Phantom yeah. Menace. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the thing, Eli. I've said it before. That was my favorite part of Phantom Menace. That, <laughs> that hey, whole scene I, thing. Yeah. The more I watch the prequels, Phantom Menace is I, I have such a good yeah. time watching that movie. Well, Just that's because the thing. Of like all. If, if you and, watch and the, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If you watch the prequels, that whole Senate hearing meeting thing like that, like that's the most important part of those trilogies. Like, yeah. I mean, of that trilogy, you have to pay attention to that stuff because it all the main stuff happens there. You know, the yeah. backstabbing, the deals like that. Yeah, that's what all happens. So, yeah. So th- this is that embargo yeah. trade routes being embargoed and yeah, countries you, being cut off. Because that's how Palpatine takes over with I all mean, this planets. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting like to it, see that happen. Well, it's happened in the past, but we're still seeing that happen on, on right. Like I world. said, when when all that stuff came out, when those that first year that came out, that's when Bush was doing all that bullshit. You know, yeah, uh, yeah it was the same consolidating power, blaming these people on that one. Oh, nine eleven got attacked. Oh no, because Saddam Hussein did it. Even though Saddam Hussein didn't do it, they blamed on him anyways. He can go in there and do some bullshit consolidating power. We're seeing history repeat itself. Yeah. So, and that's what George Lucas was trying to do. Like this same thing that Palpatine did to get power. Is what all dictators do to get power. That's why I found it so interesting. So yeah, and Phantom Menace is fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is. Hey, as much as I fucking rag on the prequels, I saw all those movies multiple times in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> just because I like the shit. But yeah, yeah I, I still critique it, but I still like it. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. So, so what you got next? All right, my last book I'll do will be TMNT and Stranger Things, number one. Okay. So another IDW crossover, what they like to do. Oh, what the hell did I do? Oh, shit. Oh, that's me. I did that. And I, I'm, I I'm trying to. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm about still to share the up. Kirby crackers. Okay. <laughs> still fucking. Oh, no, that's it. That's it. Okay. Hold on. What we got? Um, so, uh, yeah, I IDW. No. I love the pod racing scene on there. I will fast forward to the pod racing scene. Yeah, no, Man. that is awesome, dude. Yeah. When they released it in 3D, like 10 right before Disney bought Lucasfilm, 
They yeah. were going to release all the movies in 3D. They yeah. released Phantom Menace. I went and saw it. The pod race in 3D was Oh, I bet that dope. was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was dope. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm sorry. I love you. You, you can not, I love the pod racer scene in Phantom Menace. I do. Yeah. And then I was playing the game. I downloaded and the game. And then it had the game, and the game had the exact same level. Biggest Canyon, everything was the same. Yeah. So if you watch, if you watch the movie, you can race it the same way. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, this is my last book. This is, you know, IDW. They they doing all these crossovers with Ninja Turtles and Batman and Ninja Turtles and uh, Street Fighter and Street Fighter, Batman and and He Man and Transformers and Ghostbusters and Transformers and Term. They've been doing all these crossovers and mo- and they're a lot of fun. So um, this is the Ninja Turtles and Stranger Things. Uh, so basically, um, this is in New York. The kids from Stranger Things, they're on a field trip, a science field trip to New York. Um, they go down in the subway and they find a demidog, the, uh, those little, the baby demogorgons. This is if you're from, I know you don't watch Stranger Things, Leroy, but for those who, you know, who do watch Stranger Things, the demogorgons, when they start out, they're little tiny like polywogs or whatever they call them demi 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 dogs um they're running around in the subway so the kids are like oh shit there's demi dogs around here we got to go check it out so these kids run, start running through the subway they find the ninja turtles fighting these demi dogs but some of them are equipped with cybernetic enhancements and they look like Mousers. Oh, so, Baxter Stockman. Baxter Stockman. He has those mousers that were those little robot. They were meant to be robots that eat eat um, rats and vermins, but he t- controlled them to do crime and shit and work for Kang. It's it, you know for those who know their Ninja Turtle lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So the Ninja Turtles are fighting the demig these cybernetic demig demigorgons. Uh, they call them demi demi mousers or mouser dogs or something. I can't remember. They had a name for it. They they combined demi demi mousers or something like that. Um, so the kids meet the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles take them back to their lair under the sewer, and then we get a long drawn out exposition dump where they basically explain the two universes. They get the history of Stranger Things and. How there's the upside down, there's the government found a portal to another dimension, and all that shit released all these monsters, and we get it, you know, then we get the, the Ninja Turtle origin story retold and all that stuff. So it that was kind of a lull for me. But then they decide we're gonna team up because we go, know the story, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna all team up in different groups and go after Baxter Stockman. Um at one point L- eleven. She goes into the uh, the void. She's psychic. She's got all these. She's basically a mutant with you know telekinetic powers. She can go into the void and locate people, kind of like Cerebro. Um, she locates where Baxter Stockman is, and Baxter Stockman's like, "Hey, L eleven, waiting for you. Here's my address." So he can see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he can see her. Um, and she's like, "Oh shit, yeah, I know where Baxter Stockman is, and he's waiting for us." 
like, oh shit. So they all kind of go off on their separate groups. So like Raphael and 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 Eleven team up because they're like they're you know the Warriors or whatever. You got like the sci- the sci Donatello and like Dustin and Lucas. They're like the sci-fi geeks. They team up, and then like like the rest, you know, Mike and Will. They're the you know the more nerdy types. They all it was it's kind of funny that you know the similar dynamics between the Turtles and the Stranger Thing kids, and they all kind of go up and there's go off on their separate factions, but they basically um, they uh, they they find Baxter Stockman, and he's waiting there with the Foot Clan. And he's like, hi, Eleven. Your papa told me all about you. So papa is from Stranger Things. He's the guy in charge of that Hawkins laboratory in Stranger Things. And he was the one doing the experiments on all the kids. And they call all the kids called him papa. And so that's what Eleven knows him as. So Baxter Stockman and papa are working together. Like, did they know each other in the past, or are they just teaming up now? Oh, I don't know. I, okay. I don't, it's, it's a crossover. We, okay. <laughs> the Ninja lure Turtles aren't on Stranger Things, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's fun. It's goofy. Like, all these, you know, these crossovers are just mixing the two universes, getting all the toys and playing in the sandbox. And it's fun. It's a three out of five. I thought that long lull in the middle where they're just explaining the two universes got a little slow but it's right. still pretty and you, and you gotta have it for people that may not know the ninja turtles you know yeah but like or me who don't know strange things so yeah, so yeah you need like a little yeah. cheat because when i read what did i read oh the godzilla and power rangers i didn't know much like that book went into power rangers shit that i i wasn't familiar with you know? <laughs> Now you're an expert. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave me the 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 Cliff Notes version of the Power Rangers mythology, the lore. <laughs> oh well. All right. So like I said, I'm booked out. I think yeah, you're booked too. out. So yeah. Appreciate everybody listening. Like I said, if you listen this long, definitely like, share, subscribe. If you listen for thirty minutes, oh sorry, thirty seconds. If you listen for thirty seconds, we appreciate you. That helps the algorithm. Uh, like Thanks I said, for, we talked uh, about this. Def- for jumping in, yeah. Yeah, St. Frank is surprised he was still in here. But uh, also listen to This Geeks in Comics. Like I said, talk about the same stuff we talk about, but not in the same way we talk about it and not the same stuff we talk about. It's different. It's weird. They go, in, they go deep in the comics. They go deep in the comics. Balls deep in it. They're going to talk about San Diego Comic Cons like that. We don't get that deep into it. But they go into it. So the stuff y'all wish we went, went more deep into it, they do it. So go there. They would love you over there. Tell them we sent you. So yeah. Uh, next week, what are we going to talk about? Eli, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it next week. Barbie Heimer. Oh, are you going to see both of them on the I'm same day? I'm going to day? see both of them. I'm going to see both of them, and I'm reviewing both of them. I'm going to see. Okay. And I will grade well, which have one. Have fun. <laughs> oh, I'm re- I'm reviewing. Spoiler. I'm spoilers. I Barbie dies. You know. I actually want to see Barbie. Do you now? It okay. Looks, it well, looks funny. It looks funny. From full spoiler. Like I said, I got to prepare myself for Oppenheimer because it's three hours long. And plus, I was actually misinformed. Crispin Nolan did not set off a nuke in real life and filmed it on there. <laughs> no. I don't know why I got that shit, bro. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he had to go on. He had to go no to interviews. So like, <laughs> right. No, so yeah. He had to go on interviews. Like, like no. No, I didn't method, do that. This <laughs> is method. We're going full method. <laughs> right. No, I did not commit a war crime to make a movie. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> 
Like, who the fuck let him do that? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Like, where did he film it with it? Iran or some shit like that? Like, I'll give you the secrets <laughs> to this nuclear code. Can I shoot my movie here? Is that okay? You know? So, no, he didn't well, do it. Well, America for... wouldn't let me do it, I had to go to the... <laughs> <laughs> right. North Korea or some shit, you know? <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I'm seeing uh, both of them next week, and I review both of them. That sounds week. like a better movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, because I was saying we just die and shit like that because he decided to film a real movie. No, I want to do, or they find uh secrets from Chris Nolan. Anyway, we, we'll talk about that next week. We'll yeah. see. Oh, uh, but yeah, that's all we got. Appreciate you listening. Check us next week. Until then, it's Leroy. This is Eli. We'll talk to you guys next week. Same bullet time, same bullet channel.
with a slick arm robbery. I'm not the one that they will catch.